Who's ready for the Word of God? Let's go. We're going to go today looking at the Break the Mold series. We've got two more weeks on it today. We're looking at the story of Philemon. So go to the book of Philemon. We're going to walk through the entire book. The good news for you, it's only one chapter. It's 25 verses. That's all it is. Um, it is Paul's shortest story uh, or letter being written, um, but it is power packed. It, it packs a punch, right? Um, and it is significant for us as we get to open that. So go ahead and open up to that book right now if you would, but also get out a pen and paper or get out your phone, get ready to type up some stuff because I'm gonna give you some other passages first because today I think we're gonna be challenged with some really hard things. I think we're gonna be challenged with something pretty difficult. If you have ever been wronged in your life, if someone has ever done something wrong to you whatsoever, if you have ever been hurt by someone else in your life, raise your hand. We all, we've all been wronged. We have all been hurt in our life. I think about numerous times in my own life, and I'm not going to jump into personal stories today. Um, there's a few personal stories that if I started talking about, I'd be in tears probably. But we've all been wrong before. We've all been hurt. And this is a story today that we need to know about because we all need to experience forgiveness, but we also need to express forgiveness to other people. I'll give you some examples. Write down uh, Matthew chapter 6, 12 through 15. If you would, go ahead and write it down. This is a lesson you need. If you can learn today's message... I'm telling you now, it's one of the most powerful witnesses that you'll have to other people throughout the rest of your life. That should get your attention by itself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15 says the following, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So yes, God, we often want to pray the beginning of this. God, forgive us, but we don't always want to pray. And God, help us to forgive anybody who's done us wrong. We don't say that prayer as much as we say the first prayer. God, forgive me for this because, and I know that you're going to forgive me because we always think that our wrongs are less than the wrongs of other people. And so God, forgive us our debts as we also are forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, if you forgive other people when they what? When they what? Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Our willingness to forgive other people is often linked to the understanding that we have of our own need of forgiveness. Today, we are talking a lot about the reality and the difficulty sometimes of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness, unforgiveness, I think it makes it difficult to recognize the own blessings in your life. I think it's very similar to envy or jealousy or bitterness. Those things keep you from understanding the blessings that God has poured into your life because you're always looking at those things. Some of you can't experience true freedom in Christ because you're so consumed thinking about how you have been wronged, how you've been cheated, and you can't move past it. You, have, you, you want to experience grace for yourself, but you want others to get what they have coming. 
but you don't know what they did to me, God. You don't know how they hurt me, and you don't know what they did wrong to me. How can I truly not only forgive them, but to embrace them as a brother in Christ? That's what we have to talk about today, because that is what's instructed of us biblically. We'll even justify why we don't forgive other people because we'll tell people, well, you don't really know the extent of what they did wrong. They need to be punished for what they've done. God can redeem anyone from anything at Do we actually believe that for other people or only for ourselves? So today we come face to face with the understanding that our relationship with Christ impacts our relationship with others. The type of relationship that you have with Jesus will impact the relationship that you have, have with other people. And it will often determine your willingness to forgive them. If you've understood fully, right, completely what you yourself has been forgiven from. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, knowing that we have sinned, we know that those wages of that sin is death. But through Jesus Christ, we have life. That's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. So understanding that our relationship with Christ impacts our relationship with other people. But yet we can forgive because God takes even the things that were meant to hurt us and he can use them for our good. Romans 8.28 is another passage you can scribble down, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God can take anything in our life and use it if we surrender it to him, even broken relationships. Another way to think about it, let me give you, before we even jump into the passage, I want to give you three realities Three realities of biblical forgiveness is what I call them. You could also refer to them as three realities of biblical unforgiveness. <laughs> right? Please know this. Christians who fail to forgive struggle to know God. Christians who fail to forgive struggle to know God. The reason I'm pausing for a moment is I do believe that a lot of people today, we may utter the words, I forgive you, but it's still right there. We express the biblical language without ever experiencing biblical forgiveness. You follow me? Yes? Yes? Are you there? God said, though, if you don't forgive others, and that will certainly hinder your relationship with God. Here are three more passages for you. Matthew 7, 22. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's Matthew 7, 2. Mark eleven twenty five says the following. Mark eleven twenty five. Again, write these things down, type them up, act like you're typing on something with your thumbs. I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest ways. Your ability to forgive the people who have wronged you, truly to embrace them as a brother or a sister in Christ, will be one of the greatest examples you have as a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. 
Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. And then it concludes with forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.13. It's amazing. So another reality is not only Christians who fail to give struggle to know God, but Christians who fail to forgive struggle having healthy community with other believers. Christians who fail to forgive struggle to have healthy community with other believers because there's something that's hindering the depth of your relationship with God. And if you're hindering the depth of your relationship with God, you're hindering the relationship that you can then have with other people. Because my relationships, when I have deep relationships, deep community with fellow believers, it's because we first have a healthy relationship with, God, with Christ and with who God has created us to be. So the healthier that relationship is, the healthier I can be in relationship with other people. So if I'm putting up a barrier before God, I'm also putting up a barrier between my relationship with others. And it can be, listen, some of us, I've met so many people, we all can say we have some wound of some sort from some relationship. Some people may say with my mom or my father or my brother or my sister or with a previous marriage, and there's all types of wounds, but God can redeem and can restore. Our problem is that we know the right words to say, but again, we often have limited our heart from stepping in to that process. And I'm not trying to be flippant today. I'm not trying to be callous today. I know some of you are going, Pastor, you're, you're not even tuning in because you're going, you don't know what someone has done to me. You don't know the rape that occurred. You don't know the hardship that has occurred. You don't know the way that I was raised and the way I was beaten and the way that I was whipped. You don't know that my spouse, middle of the night, just left with everything that I had and I've never seen them since. You don't know. I don't know, but God does know and his forgiveness is always greater. Third, Christians who fail to forgive assume the authority of God. So I hope that this is a giant bell ringing. The scripture has already told us very clearly, basically we need to let God be God, right? We don't need to assume that posture. God is in the business of judgment and making sure that he speaks into the lives of others at the end, not us. And can I just say, um, one of the hardest things about forgiveness, but yet one of the most freeing things, when I, I remember in my life, and there are some things that happened even in ministry years and years ago, I was really, I, I didn't even recognize until later what it was doing to me internally like it created, I had, a, I had, this is a decade ago, but I had an anger in me from what some people did in, in a ministry setting. And they didn't seem to really care. And I would just, it was, it was in me and it was somewhat deep. And then I recognized that I needed to offer forgiveness, even if forgiveness was never sought. I recognize that I, forg I could forgive without the other person coming to say, I'm sorry. 
I recognize that forgiveness and actual, actually stepping into freedom in Jesus was based on me and my relationship with God. And I didn't have to let them even be involved in it because I knew what Christ had freed me from so that I could have eternal life. And as a result, I could forgive anybody of what they have done because for eternity, I'm okay. But that's a hard place to get to. That's a hard place to get to. But we need to get there. And so here's the book of Philemon that really is all about forgiveness. Small, short letter, packs a punch. And here's Philemon. There's three primary characters here. Um, Paul is writing this from prison. So you have Paul, three characters I'm going to give you. You can just scribble them down if you want to. You have three people who are involved. Paul, who's writing this letter from prison. And then you've got Philemon. He's a person who's receiving this letter. And then you have someone who was once his slave by the name of Onesimus. Paul, Philemon, Onesimus. Those are three primary characters in this story that is going to teach us and demonstrate for us the power of forgiveness. Now, Philemon was a well-off Roman citizen. Um, from Colossae, and he came to know Jesus Christ. Epaphras had come and started a church in his region, and Philemon stepped in with him, and he was one of the primary leaders of this new church start, right? And God's blessing, God's doing this work, and here's Philemon, who's this ministry leader, and doing a great work from all that we know. But just like all Roman citizens who had any type of value at all, Roman citizens would have slaves, well, one of the slaves of Philemon was Onesimus. And we don't know all the details, but we know that from the story that we know that Onesimus wronged Philemon in a significant way. We don't know if he did something with somebody else in the household. We don't know if he just stole a lot of possessions and he just left in the middle of the night. But we know that Onesimus, who was once the slave of Philemon, did him wrong, and it was a big wrong. Onesimus had run away and actually knew that Paul was there in prison. Onesimus encounters Paul where he was and Paul introduces him to Jesus. And Paul um, not only introduces him, but Onesimus comes to know Jesus Christ so much that he surrendered fully his life to Christ and became somewhat of an assistant to Paul. So you wanna talk about redemption from anyone, uh, for anyone at any time, right? There's a story. Here is a guy who is a slave to Philemon who encounters Paul, comes into Jesus Christ, surrenders his life fully and becomes an assistant to Paul. That's a pretty cool gig. And yet Paul is in prison and Paul writes a letter. Paul is about to write a really hard, difficult letter. He's going to write a letter to Philemon asking him to not only forgive Onesimus, but to actually receive him back as a brother. Now, I told you he was a, um, that Philemon was a Roman citizen. That meant that Philemon had every opportunity, he had every right that when he sees this once slave that was still technically would be his slave, he could have him arrested, put in jail, do whatever he pretty much wanted to him because he was a Roman citizen. So here comes the difficulty of this letter that Paul's writing to Philemon saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to ask this guy to for, not only forgive, but to embrace him back as a brother in Christ. Now, again, there's a difference here. Some of us say, I forgive such and such, but would you actually welcome them back in as a brother in Christ, as a family member to say, you really wronged me before. I lost everything because of you. And now I'm going to invite you back in. 
Now, right away, the worldly logical part of ourselves go into the fact of, okay, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. Yes, we can forgive, but we don't have to actually embrace him back as a brother. No, yes, we do. Doesn't mean we don't use discernment. Doesn't mean we don't have wisdom, biblically looking at the clarity we need to have about what we're willing to do. But man, this is a powerful lesson that's going to challenge a lot of us because we know that a willingness to forgive can look different than a willingness to embrace someone as a brother or a sister in Christ. So Paul begins this letter with a greeting, first three verses. Paul, a prisoner for Christ to Timothy, um, as well as Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. And in verses four through seven, what's interesting is he goes from a greeting and he knows this is a really hard letter. So he wants to start with prayer. <laughs> That's called smart. He's, I think he's, he knows the difficulty of what he's about to ask Philemon to do. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. He says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Yeah, he's letting them know. Philemon, I, I praise God for what God is using you for. You are refreshing the saints. You're doing a great work. God is using you in remarkable ways. But then he, he doesn't even mention Onesimus. Remember, it's only 25 verses. He doesn't even mention Onesimus until verse 10. So he offers this prayer in 4 through 7. And then in verse 8, he starts with these powerful words. And so what I want us to do is I just want to read 8 through 20 for us out loud and tell some of the stories we do it. So may we stand for the reading of the word of God. He says the following. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Now you got to know there is a spiritual authority that came when you're Paul. And they used to give more authority to spiritual leadership. And if a spiritual leader asked you to do something, he could have commanded him, you must do this. But he doesn't want to do that. He says, I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer just to appeal to you. Now, if remember, start considering this letter. You just had a prayer of a guy thanking the Lord of how God is using you, your Philemon. And now he jumps straight into, wait, he's about, he wanted to command me to do, he wants to command me to do something, but he's going to appeal for love's sake to something different. Okay, this will be good. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Verse 10, this is verse 10. Now he brings up Onesimus. And right away, if I'm, if I'm Philemon, I'm going, something just hit me. You know when you hear news and it hits you right in the gut, you're like, uh-oh. Old memories, resentfulness, bitterness. Aha! Why do we have to go there? Come on, Paul, why do you have to go there? I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in, in imprisonment. He's right away saying, hey, guess what? He's come to know Jesus Christ. I'm now his spiritual father. Maybe that softens the blow. 
Formerly he was useless. Why? Because he wasn't a believer. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Why? Because he can advance the kingdom because he's the brother in Christ. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. That tells you how much Onesimus means to Paul. I'm sending you my heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. I don't want to manipulate. I don't want, to de- you don't, I don't want you to be deceived. I just want people to see the goodness of what you're about to express to this former slave of yours because now he's a brother in Christ. That's what he's communicating. For this perhaps is why he was parted for a while, from you for a while. This is why maybe he left, so that God could get his heart. Real quick, some of you may have a prodigal child. Pray that God will use this time apart for the Lord to take their heart so that they would come back and serve alongside of you to advance the kingdom of God. For this is perhaps why he parted you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, and Paul loves to use that word partner, That's what we expect of people who are a part of this ministry, that we're partnering together. You're not here to simply observe. You're here to participate in the movement of God. And so now he says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Receive him just like you would receive me. You would open your arms to me. And so receive him back in the same way. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, and Paul knew that Onesimus had wronged him and that Onesimus owed him. But he's saying, listen, if he's wronged you in any way, owes you anything at all, charge it to my account. I accept it. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your, your owing me, even of your own self. He's not going to, and Paul's like, hey, listen, you owe me anyway, but I'm not going to talk about that. Don't you like how he says, I'm not going to talk about something, but by saying he's not going to talk about it, he's talking about it. Anybody married? No, never mind. All right. <laughs> yes, brother. I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ by your willingness to forgive and to embrace this person who has wronged you because the kingdom of God is more important than yourself. That's what he's declaring. And this is the word of God. You may be seated. We already know that slaves were the lowest part of society. And then again, that Philemon could have done all kinds of things to Onesimus, but yet he's being asked to do something very, very difficult. And a couple of things that really stand out to me about this is that Paul is willing to pay the consequence himself. He says, listen, I don't know what he's done wrong to you, but if he has, just charge it to my account. I'll take full payment for it. Here's some of the things I think that we learn in this. When, when I look at what's happening with Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, one of the things that I see is Paul is asking him to receive Onesimus with open arms. 
Some of us, when it comes to forgiveness, we need to recognize that the actions of Philemon pointed to Jesus by receiving Onesimus with open arms. Some of us have someone to forgive, and we need to receive that person with open arms. And again, I, I think some of you might be going, Joel, you still don't know. Somebody told me, I was like, you don't know what this person has done to me. But I do, I think that Onesimus was, was repentant. He was an assistant to Paul. I think it would not surprise me if he was looking over the shoulders of Paul as Paul wrote this letter. And he's reminding him, listen, I know before he was useless to us, but now he is useful to us because of his belief in Jesus Christ. So receive him with open arms. And another thing that I think we learn from, from this about pointing to Jesus is I think we see a reestablishing of a relationship. He's like, reestablish a relationship. Some, some people in this room right now need to reestablish a relationship with a loved one that you're no longer in a healthy relationship with. Can I tell you the easiest way to do it? Any, anybody ever had any tension in any relationship, right? I mean, it's just a reality of life is that we can have tension in relationships. People are like, hey, what's the hardest part about being a pastor? Uh, I was like, the people. <laughs> what's the best part about being a pastor? The people. It's just we're all messed up, amen? It's just acknowledge it. Just call somebody up if you need to call them up and say, you know what? I, I want us to have a greater relationship in Christ. And I don't think we're really where Christ wants us to be. So can we fix that? Can we at least pray about it? And just like, let's just figure it out. I'd rather just call it out. Isn't that what Paul just did? He just called it out. He didn't leave any cards on the table. He just said, here it is. I've been accused a few times in my life as being blunt and to the point. I think Paul was to the point. Hey, there's a problem in the relationship here, but hey, he was useless to you. Now he's useful. Let's get over that, and I need you to receive him back because the kingdom of God is more important than your own personal preference or the way that you've been wronged in life because for eternity you've already been forgiven and you've got freedom. So let's just get over that and move forward so that Jesus Christ and his name is made known and receives all glory and honor no matter what. That's hard. But I think he reestablished a relationship. Another thing in this passage that I think we've got to learn from here is that here comes Paul. And, and I can't help but think about, imagine Philemon. Let's just say Philemon represents God, all right, just for a moment, meaning that Philemon had been wronged, Right? Have we wronged God in our sin, yes or no? Okay, so we've wronged God. So let's just say, here's Philemon. He's been wronged before. And then you got Onesimus. And imagine him being the sinner. We're the sinner because he's in need of reconciliation. And then you have Paul. And I'm going to say that he's going to represent Christ for just a moment because he's saying, hey, I'm willing to pay whatever he owes. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did when he's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they've done. 
Isn't that what Jesus Christ did when he stood on the cross and he's there and he's hanging and the blood is pouring out and the, the thing that really killed him was his lungs being collapsed. He couldn't breathe anymore. And he looked at the guy on the cross who was a murderer and a thief and says, today you will be with me in paradise. That was the example of forgiveness from Jesus Christ himself. And so I look at this as a reflection of what Christ did for us. But it's the only time, this is the only letter in which Paul writes that he doesn't actually speak right about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe it's because he's demonstrating it in his willingness to show the power of the forgiveness that is given. I do, uh, we don't have all the details. I do believe that Philemon ended up forgiving Onesimus and charged nothing to Paul. I don't believe he really had much of a choice. And if we are really surrendered to Jesus, neither do we. Verse 21, he says, Paul writes these words. He says, confident of your obedience. Don't you love it when someone tells you in advance what they're proud of you doing? Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. You're gonna go even further than what others expect you to go. You're gonna do more than what others expect of you because Christ did more. Here's my question for you today. Who is it that you need to forgive? See, forgiveness is actually one of the greatest catalysts of others discovering Jesus. Who is it that you need to forgive? What phone call do you need to make? What letter do you need to write? not reminding anyone of what they have done, but telling them what Jesus has done to forgive all who profess faith in him so that they may have eternal life. Will you forgive as Christ has forgiven? Hard yes but in the name of Jesus, always possible. And so I pray, God, that we would know forgiveness that we have from you and demonstrate that fully and how we are willing to forgive others. May we humbly come before you acknowledging the beauty of who you are and what you have done, God.
so that we could acknowledge more of how we can be used as a catalyst for others to discover your greatness and how awesome you are. Not so that we receive glory, God. We want to keep our hands off of all glory. All glory is to be at your feet, all praise at your feet, all worship, all acknowledgement that you are the one true God, that we shall have no other gods before you. And so, God, bitterness, hatred, jealousy, and envy have no more room in our hearts because we've encountered the power of Jesus. Amen.